Awesome. Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, always here to fuel you. And several times a week, I'm delivering five minute impactful shorts and amazing guest stories and their lived experiences, all to help you control and overcome binge eating, improve performance and support your body composition goals. And just remember that if it's working for you, your health, your mindset and your definition of success, no one deserves to tell you different. You do you fuel you. All right. We got someone special on right now. This is Rob. Now, I've never met Rob in person, but I've met Rob uh, online and I've seen some of his stuff and I was just telling him this and I'm going to let him introduce himself in a second. But uh, he's someone who I think has an amazing story and I always love to talk with inspirational people, whether it's a dietitian, could be a chef, could be uh, anyone, right? But Rob is that. And that's why I want Rob to be here right now. But Rob, before we get into it, I always love for someone to introduce themselves in just a different way. Um, and I want you to intro introduce yourself through food. If you could introduce yourself to us through a meal, through something you cook, you take us out to, what would it be? What defines you? Yeah, so I asked, I'm married, uh, I've got two kids, and I actually asked this around the dinner table the other night. And I don't know if it's because we were having pork chops that my kids both said, well, pork chops. And I was like, well, what do you mean by pork chops? And they're like, well, before you used to always have bacon and we'd have you know, like a pig roast. And now you're always measuring your pork out. You're making sure everything's good. So um, I guess for me, it's pork chops because I went from these big, lavish, uh, elaborate meals to these very measured out, calculated, healthy meals, but also meals that I can put on the table for my family. So uh, pork chop, I guess, is where I'm going with that. So. <laughs> I love that. I think I love the most that we're sitting down with your family. That's what I'm picturing yes. in my head, at least. How are we cooking these pork chops, by the way? Uh, so I have over like 23 recipes for pork chops. <laughs> um, I'm like crazy. So you're going to realize this the more we talk. Uh, one of the things <laughs> that I do is I map out my meals for my family for about three months in advance. And then I will actually go to the Italian market in uh, South Philly mm -hmm. and I will pick up in bulk uh, five ounce measured pork chops. Um, and it's a different recipe each way. Rule of thumb is it's trial and error of things I found from websites like Men's Health, Eat This, Not That, uh, pretty much any healthy recipe that I find. And then we make it over the summer to try it. And three out of the four family members have to like it. If three out of four like it, <laughs> Uh, then it stays on the menu and it comes into the rotation. If less than three make it, then it comes off. So it's one of those things that every family member kind of gets what they want each night, uh, but in a totally different way. But Tuesday is usually our pork chop night. So oh, wow. I must say you are probably a lot more organized and very democratic with the way that you are yes. approaching meals at home. Yes. It sounds like well, it might be necessary. And I think it's one of those things with meal prep and meal planning that where I see a lot of people struggle uh, out there is it's I'm making one meal and then my family makes a totally different meal. And okay. one of the things that I really strive for is I'm going to put a healthy meal on my table every night for every member of my family. Um, and because of that, if they don't like a healthy meal and that's all they see, my fear is they're going to reject it for the rest of their lives. So it's kind of like building a healthy entrance of food and it allows my kids and my wife both to give me feedback on, I like this part of it or I didn't like this part of it and how we uh, do it. So like last night was grilled pork chops. Next uh, Tuesday, we're getting into the fall season. So it's apple cinnamon pork chops and both recipes uh, with sides and everything included are under 400 calories. 
<laughs> I think I have to get some of these recipes from you. These sound great. I love yeah. this idea. Uh, you know, and someone that's just listening right now, they might not know, you know, why I wanted you here, Rob. Um, and I know you're going to get into that in a second. Um, and we're almost, we're like right there right now, right? You're almost starting to touch on it. I am totally but, um, tangential. So I'll just go off in directions. <laughs> You'll be like, Ryan, you haven't told anyone who you are or what you do. And I do want you to introduce yourself too, beyond pork chops. Um, and I, I do want those recipes, by the way. So you're going to let me get those. Um, but uh, I wanted to make sure, I love this. This is what I do. And it's so selfish. Can you just tell someone where they can find you? Like, as they listen to this, like look you up and, you know, look and see what's going on where can people yeah, find absolutely. more about you so i'm really only on instagram at my weight is history uh the name came from the fact i'm a history teacher by day and i joke that i'm a bariatric patient by night mm -hmm. when i first started to get bariatric surgery i was 365 pounds and through my journey and process i started to lose weight but i realized there's not many men in the community who are open about their journey. So I kind of realized that I could make a page to help inspire others as the few that were out there inspired me. And it was just one of those, it's really my trial and error of weighing 365 pounds and getting down to a healthy 225 now, but it's everything from balancing work, life, family, fitness, finances, and everything in between. I think that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Find, find Rob. Rob is, if I can say it again, it's, it's at my underscore weight yes. underscore is underscore history. So um, check it out. And Rob is just getting into exactly, you know, uh, I guess who he is and how he got to where he is right now. He calls himself the VSG every man, right? And you just mentioned a lot of those things. You're like, well, there's a lot of the things that could get involved, right? Even down to finances, how, you know, you going through this process, uh, which I am going to ask you to talk more about, but um, uh, what I always refer to as just the gastric sleeve, right? Or sleeve yeah. surgery, but the vertical sleeve gastrectomy, that's what the surgery is that, uh, that you ended up getting to support your your, your weight loss. Um, and there's so much to unpack here. And I, I, I've, I've seen this surgery done. I think I shared this with you in a message. I've seen the surgery done through my internship. It's an amazing surgery to watch first of all, but it's also from a dietitian standpoint, it's an amazing thing to see the recovery process and see people down the road and seeing what they were able to accomplish versus, you know, someone struggling through, um, other type of weight loss processes, right? And yeah. this is just, it's the success rate is so high with this, which is why it's so good. Um, but I want to ask you this. I want to maybe paint a little more of a picture. We got the meal. We're sitting down with your family, these delicious pork chops. I want to ask you, when, when were you the furthest from where you are today? Oh if someone goodness. looks up and see, you know, they look on Instagram and they, and they see this energetic guy working out, right? It looks, he's, it looks like you've always been doing that stuff. It does. When were you the furthest from where you are today? So I always like to say that I had a lot of energy. It's really, what did I put my energy towards? Sure. So it was one of those things at my highest, I was still living what I thought was a very robust life. I used to joke that I'd have the Kevin James King of Queens life. Like, here's my wife, here's my <laughs> nice look. But, you know, like food was a very big part of it. It was one of those things that I always loved to cook, but it was pretty much the Italian level for those who are watching. Uh, it's the Italian elbow of olive oil that goes into the pan. So you're adding like <laughs> half a gallon. You know, if you lit a match in there, you'd set the whole house on fire. 
But it was one of those that I would have a lot of effort and go in, but I had a pulmonologist appointment because I have sleep apnea. And my pulmonologist had to give me the talk of, look, uh, there's no easy way to say this. You're burning out a medical grade CPAP machine. And in true like big man fashion, I was like, oh, let's just go the next size up. They're like, no, you don't understand. Phillips doesn't make a bigger, like you're it. This is it. And like, you're burning it out. Like you were burning a machine that's built to help you breathe and you're breaking the machine. And I was like, so what does that really mean? They're like, there is a good chance that if you continue to gain weight, you're just going to go to sleep and not wake up. And that was an eye opener for me. Um, it was one that I had the appointment in the summer. I came home. My wife asked me how my appointment went. I said, great. In true man fashion, I repressed anything that I felt about it. And I went down to the basement to uh, do research. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing work for school. They're like, you know, it doesn't start for another month and a half. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I pretty much deep dove. Uh, through the internet for everything and worked with my primary care physician to set up to have bariatric surgery. Uh, he connected me with Penn Health and uh, I went through that process of a long grueling six months of work, both mentally and physically to get ready for the surgery. And then March of 2020, the world shut down. I got approved for surgery and they said, look, we don't know when we're going to be able to give it to you. And I was lucky that that June I was able to get in for surgery. That, that is a process in itself. I know yeah. how much it takes, right? So it's not just like navigating insurance. It's navigating Correct. everyone else that you have to work with because uh, a good process, a good vetting process for any patient is not just a, you know, uh, do you want this surgery? You say yes and you yeah. get it. it there is there is a full vetting process, or at least there should be a full vet, uh, full vetting process. And I I am so curious about, you know, you, I laughed when you said, you know, I said everything was fine. I went downstairs, you kind of hit it, right? Um, <laughs> but it, it, I think it's so important to talk through. You almost need to talk through because you have to understand who your, who your circle is when you're recovering and then what's going to happen after the surgery too in terms of your eating because it's not easy, which I want you to talk about. I do a little bit selfishly. Um, I'm always searching for, um, and I think you know this for listening to the podcast, maybe not. And if you don't, then that gives me an understanding of how much more I have to talk about this. But I'm always looking for this intersection between satiety, satisfaction, and biological need, right? And I kind of want to ask this, like you, you seem to be finding that now post-surgery. What was challenging you finding that previously? What wasn't getting you to that sweet pot, that, yeah, that, that sweet spot? Were you not understanding more around, you know, uh, the biological need side, were you not satisfied? Um, was it something where you just, you weren't satiated? It's, I'm kind of asking you like, what, what brought you to that heaviest weight, um, yeah. throughout your life? When did it start? So, um, so I was born February 15th. Now nah, I'm, I'm going back, <laughs> but like we look at childhood and so much of my childhood, I can't stress. I had loving parents. I grew up in an Italian Irish family. I had the best mom and dad. Uh, they actually go to my bariatric support groups when I need wow. them or when we have family ones. So I can't stress, but growing up in an Italian household, uh, you'll know you essentially have um, food as everything. Food is a celebration. Food is a way we show our morning. It's a way we show our emotions. And the idea of not eating a second plate is almost like an affront to the Italian community. Sure. So it was one of those things that like from very early on, food just had a very big connection with me. Um, as I got older um, and got into high school and college, it was one of those things that I was a little bit heftier, but from playing football and sports, I leaned out like everyone did. But it was one of those that I looked at as leaning out allowed me to have a free pass to eat whatever I wanted. 
that then went into college where I gained the freshman 15 all four years, uh, which is impressive. I then got my master's degree and gained the freshman 15, both years of that. Um, (laughs) But it was one of those things that I connected so much of my stress and anxiety with dealing with it with food that I really did have a tough time um, building healthy relationships and the weight would just keep coming on and everything that I learned throughout my life was, oh, just work out more and that'll burn it off without realizing what I'm actually eating, but also why am I eating it? So, you know, it's one of those lifelong journeys. I still don't have the best relationship with food. I know I still need to work on it, but figuring out the difference between my emotional hunger and my physical hunger has been something that I've really been working on these past two years after the surgery. And that's come through therapy. That's come through reading. That's coming through uh, listening to podcasts like yours and so many others, giving a shameless plug there. Uh, But the idea is the more I fill my mind with positivity and the right idea and the encouraging things around food, I feel I make better choices. Just like when I look at my old Instagram account back when I was biggest, Hmm. I went back and checked the accounts I'm following. It's all food, restaurants, alcohol. And if you're constantly scrolling and seeing pictures of, you know, delicious food, it's no surprise you're hungry when you put your phone down every five to 10 minutes. So building a physical and psychological relationship has been a big deal for me. Got it. That, yeah, that is, I think, surrounding yourself with with what you want to be is so important. And it's hard for people to do that, too. It's hard to break from that. Uh, so I hear what kind of brought you to that moment. Um, you know, when I asked you kind of like, when were you the opposite of where you are today? Um, what were there weight loss strategies that you tried to follow? What did you try and do? before surgery. And I, I would almost have to say this is that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Most of the time when you do talk with your physician, they may ask you to go through some uh, some programming or to actually lose some weight initially to help with surgery and whatnot too. But did you end up trying anything? Was there like a Weight Watchers at any point? Were there any fad diets that you did? What was going on before you're like, the surgery has to be it? So I would say that uh, from essentially 18 to 30, I did everything that you could imagine from the late 2000s. So uh, Weight Watchers, Adkins, um, pretty much any type of diet plan I essentially did. When I finally decided I wanted to have bariatric surgery, I went back to my primary health physician and told him about it. He's like, I actually referred this for you two years ago and you left the note on the table. And I was like, there's no way. He's like, no, I kept it because I wrote on my prescription pad, should have taken this and exclamation point. And I love my doctor. He is phenomenal. Um, Rob, why? So, I mean, that's so interesting. I, I would love to hear kind of what you did try, but that sounds almost more interesting to me right now. Why do you think you just left it on the table? I think there was a part of me that always thought I could just take the weight off myself or that my weight wasn't that big of an issue. And it was one of those things that like, I, I thrived in a lot of senses of my life as a 365 pound man. I had good relationships. I was married. Uh, I'm still in a happy marriage. You know, I had two beautiful children, um, but there were some things that like, I just didn't see that I didn't realize. Like uh, I would get winded tying my shoes. So I would just get regular slip on shoes and wear those and think that was totally okay. It was small things that like, I guess I just didn't see it until I was ready to see it. And it wasn't until I acknowledged it that I realized how far I was gone and how much I needed to do. Wow. Okay. And is there anything that you that you wish that you knew then what you know now? 
I mean, I, that's, that's probably such a loaded question. Like, yeah, a lot of stuff. But um, I mean, I guess with that in mind, if you like leaving that note on the table, the things that maybe you've tried, is there anything that you would like go back in time and be like, look, I know there's so many things I can tell you, but like, here's like the two things I wish that you can kind of understand right now. So it's like two things. I, I really have learned to embrace my journey in the fact that everything I did that led up to bariatric surgery has made me so grateful that I've had the success that I have. Yeah. And I know I put a good message on Instagram of everything is happy or I'm up in the gym every morning at 5 a.m. getting the lift in, but that takes work. And a lot of that work comes from the fact that I don't want to go back to being 365 pounds. I forget what it was like to be told that I was going to die young. It's small things that that like I have no regrets of anything I did up to it. Um, if I could go back and do one thing differently, I probably should have bought so much Amazon stock. I feel like if I just <laughs> did that, I, I would have been good. No, I kid, but it's one of those. Um, it really the journey is what's really helped me. It, it's the reason I do what I do. It's the reason I put my page on. It's the reason I connect and share so many great podcasts or stories that I hear is I know there's people that are out there like me who are either afraid to take the step or who are worried about what life's going to be like after bariatric surgery. And I just want to be out there and show them that it's a lifestyle. It's a choice, but you can have success afterwards, but you have to do the work both mentally, emotionally, and physically to get those three to really work together and do well. Okay. Got it. Uh, okay, great. Thank you for sharing so much about yourself and your history there. I'm going to stop poking and prodding your past. And I do want to understand um, this decision to get bariatric surgery. Um, I think that there are some myths around it, but I think that there's also a lot of, um, let's say, negative feedback yeah. that you can get from it too. Um, I, you know, that's something that I end up seeing day to day. And I'm thinking, why? Like, why? Tell me when you finally decided this, everyone around you was on board? Were you on um, board hundred percent still? Tell me. Like I, I wasn't hundred percent on board. It, it's one of those crazy things. Um, I wasn't going to tell anyone I was going to have bariatric surgery. I was going to probably tell them I had Atkins or that I started portion control. Like I, I literally was going to not tell a soul, try to get the surgery and just act like nothing had happened. Um, and it really was a testament to my wife to not only be more open and honest with that, but she's like, you're going to live your life as a lie if you don't tell anyone. And how is that going to live with you with everything? And through her, through going to my therapist, I realized that I need to tell people, but I was really grateful. My surgical program yeah. actually has like a friends and family night where you could bring your friends and family to learn about bariatric surgery. My wife was hundred percent on board. But there was like a big concern with me that I was just so afraid to tell my parents that I was getting bariatric surgery. I was so afraid to tell my friends because to me, that was saying to me, I was a failure at managing my own weight. And that was something that I struggled with telling people initially. Got it. A failure at managing your own weight. Is there anything else in there? Like, I mean, is there anything I... There's a lot. We, we can go a lot on this. So. No, I mean, like I look, I love one on one conversations and I love semantics. And I like so like I could go deep in like other areas and where I'm placing myself is someone listening to this and being like, oh, I understand the struggles that this takes. And I also think that this could be good for me or, you know, someone that I love because um, I want that because some people, you know, 
I think what I'm getting at is that there are people who want to hide the surgery and you mentioned why it was for you and other people, and especially men, can we say that they might want to hide it because they, they feel, you know, maybe their, their ego is too big. They feel as if the surgery is going to be something that is going to keep them down longer than maybe they think. And they're going to have to ask for help. Now it's a really hard thing. It's a hard thing to get over. It sounds amazing that you had your wife around. I'm so curious that it was your parents that you were afraid to tell versus, uh, I don't know, other people. Why Why were you so afraid to tell your parents? I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I mean, if we really get down to it, you know, it's only taken seven years of therapy to realize that, but <laughs> it's one of those things. I want the gold star in every aspect of my life. And that's kind of what I go for. And it was tough. One of the One of the toughest things for me was even telling my friends of, I have to have bariatric surgery. Um, when you would hear it come up in conversation with other people, it was always my uncle's friends, cousin, sister's brother had the surgery back in 2000 and 1998. Like they'd always give a random date that made no sense either. And they'd be like, and they gained all the weight back. So like the first thing people would tell you is all the failures around it when you would mention it. Um, for me, it was. I realized I had to build a support group and I had to let people in. And I was so grateful that my parents understood. When I mentioned it, when I took them to the support group, they realized like, this is something I'm serious about. And this is something that was going to save my life. Mm -hmm. And I think for men, especially, it's just really tough. I used to do men support Monday on Instagram live. And at first it looked like all these burner accounts were coming in and following me or checking the feed. And I was wondering what this was. And it turns out there's a lot of men who have like a fake Instagram account that just looks yeah. like their initials and the numbers that, you know, like when you see those random like SD 987654321. Yeah. You know, like nine out of 10 of those, I think worldwide are a troll, but that 10th one is someone who really wants information, but is worried that if they follow things on their public account, it would come out. And from meeting men in the community, from talking to them, there there's a lot of people who just want information. They want to know, is this successful? They want to know what they can eat three months, six months, two years after surgery. And it was one of those that like, I realized I, I wanted to help however I could with people realizing it is okay to ask for help and it is okay to get a life-changing uh, support. Yeah, I, that is amazing. You were holding those kind of things and to have that realization, I mean, social media is tough. You yeah. I know that you're doing more on social media than just like being there. I know that you're showing up in a very structured way, which is amazing. But I think just, you know, two people that spend a lot of their life on there, we know there's a lot of... Um, uh, people observing, not a yeah. lot of people interacting. It's tough sometimes. I did not realize how uh, bad my four months squats were until I posted <laughs> like my first reel. And then I didn't realize how many certified personal trainers um, would just tell me, hey, you're not getting low enough. You didn't do this. Your shoulder, like literally. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> it's I like, get it. <laughs> I wish I didn't do this, but I'm probably happy I did because I need to change that. Yeah. Um, just to take one one step back, if I were to ask you about the things that you did try to lose weight prior to um, discovering and accepting surgery, is there anything you really felt like you you were doing wrong and that you would have changed if you were oh, like, yeah. you know what, I was on the right path of doing that, but you know what, I, I think you get my question, but is there anything that you realized that you were doing wrong before? No, I'll go back to your original question of the two things I would change and why. The two biggest lessons that I've learned that I wish more people would understand is you cannot outwork a caloric deficit. And I wish I could. I really, really wish I could. Um, but I guess that was just how I was trained from sports and athletics is, oh, if I just run more laps, I'll eventually burn off the triple cheeseburger I had. 
But then after I run the laps, I was also the person's like, well, I ran these laps. I earned a triple cheeseburger. So it was like, it, it was this bad cyclical advice that I would get with. And then the second one is just this idea that you really have to work around the mental and emotional reasons as to why you're eating and not just what you're eating. And that's something I still struggle with today. But the more I get clarity around that, it makes me realize that I'm going into the pantry late at night more because I'm bored or I'm tired than I am actually hungry for something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that awareness is hard for some people, especially when they're so busy. I mean, you have you have two kids. I have two very young kids. It's sometimes you find yourself in the pantry because you're just stressed and you just need to get away. And then all of a sudden food happens to be there. Yeah. So, and you know that the food that you put on your kid's plate, the calories and the macros don't count. So it's a chicken nugget here. It's an uncrustable here, <laughs> you know, but that that adds up. And that was something that from tracking my calories, I realized is, yeah, I could eat relatively on point. And still down close to six to 900 calories a day of my kids' food that falls off their plates if I don't eat well. And then I started to think, well, what am I putting on my kids' plates that if I eat it, I'm getting heavier? What am I doing to them if I don't put their plates? So it was really revelatory to me of not only how I fuel myself, but how does my family eat? So. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's those, it's those licks, those bites, those tastes that we take and we don't really register sometimes. The, the BLTs add up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, um, okay. So you've, you've set yourself up well, um, by, you know, listening to your wife, uh, and, uh, making sure you're getting really, that's all it comes down to. <laughs> and we're done. And, uh, it sounded like finally letting your, letting your parents know, um, you were very open with all these kind of things. You've now, um, you know, set yourself up with the doctor. What can you give me a little bit more of the process of what you had yeah. to go through before like the sign off happened? So he, here's the beauty. Um, being in bariatric support groups and communities, all I hear are nightmares and horror stories of my surgeon met with me once, cut me open. And then I never heard, like you hear these monstrous stories of some programs. Oh, yeah. um, I was really happy with being at Penn Medicine um, Penn was phenomenal of when I started the process, they said, look, you have to do six months worth of work, uh, to get everything done. They set me up with a dietitian right away. Laura Dickens, you can follow her on Instagram at love city nutrition. I'll shout her out because she's amazing, but it was small bariatric behavior goals that they started on of look, we just want you to track everything that you're eating for the first month good, bad, ugly, just put everything in. And it was so revelatory to me. I was realizing that was that was that like a my fitness pal thing or was it yeah. pictures or what, what yeah just what it Fitbit. Was? yeah okay they said look just put it in Fitbit we don't really care and this is what really helped me we don't really care what the number is we just want to see where you're at right now so it sadly it became a game on some days it's like well let's see what All I right. do on an NFL Sunday yeah. and then I would realize like on an NFL Sunday I would start my morning with a homemade like Grand Slam breakfast like the pancakes eggs bacon sausage toast like a carb on a carb with every processed fat meat. Yeah. Um, and then I would have like an Italian hoagie for lunch. I would have wings during the game with uh, adult beverages and red wine. Long story short, then you'd go to Sunday gravy dinner and I would down anywhere from six to 7,000 calories on a Sunday. And when you start to really put those numbers in front of you and see what you do, it's, it's just eye-opening. It was one of those that like, after I did that, I was like, holy smokes, like I'm, I'm spending 3000 calories on a Sunday on alcohol. And that's, that's before I even sit down to dinner, like ridiculous numbers that are almost inhuman. 
Mm-hmm. And it was one of those that, you know, when everyone asks, I lost 50 pounds prior to having bariatric surgery. And when people say, well, what did you do to lose the 50 pounds? It was things just as simple as like, instead of having like bacon, eggs, sausage, hash browns and everything else, I just had like pancakes. Like just go, like it was nothing revelatory. It was always like, oh, you know, I didn't have three slices of pizza in between lunch and dinner. And it was one of those things by tracking food and also starting to track my finances. I was realizing I was spending $700 a month in sneak eating. Meaning not taking the wife and kids out to Chipotle. That's a whole different budget. That's the, hey, I'm coming home from work. I'm stopping off at McDonald's before I pick up the kids. Hey, I'm running late at work. I'm getting Dunkin' Donuts before I get in. Well, I like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, but I really don't like their breakfast. Let me go to Taco Bell breakfast. So my home gym that I started to build was literally built on Taco Bell from just saving $700 a month and saying every time I didn't go to fast food, I'd take $10, put it into a piggy bank. And at the end of the month, I'd have anywhere from five to $600. I didn't get it right every time, but more often than not, I did. And the money added up and did the you, weight came did, down. Did you realize that you were spending that much when you stopped going and you're like, where's all this money coming from? And you kind of went back and you looked at it. Is that, is that, is that so, how you figured it out? So we started Dave Ramsey. I did like everything cold turkey. I started tracking and prepping for the surgery, did Dave Ramsey all at the same time, which is like a finance guru. Yeah. But essentially we just did the same thing. Let's track our finances and see where our money's going. And it was just revelatory. It was probably one of the toughest things I had to do as a husband was after our first month of tracking our expenses, I had to turn to my wife and tell her I'm spending $700 in food, not for you or the kids, just me going out and getting it and god bless her like she did not get angry with me she's she openly said we need to find a way to fix this and you need to talk to your therapist about it and through slowly starting the process we got the piggy bank um i didn't beat every binge or stress eat that i had but when i did i would take ten dollars out of the atm and i'd put it in the piggy bank and slowly i was able to buy a treadmill i bought a dumbbell set i bought pads for it TV. So <laughs> that's such an amazing way to kind of figure that all out. That's so, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. but it all, it, this, this was a whole lifestyle change for you. There was a yeah. revelation after revelation. So I, I, I went into that. the pandemic. People didn't see me for nine months and then a whole new person came out. It was kind of crazy. Isn't, isn't that what, you know, some influencers will tell you just, uh, disappear for six months and then you'll see what, yeah. you know, what actually happens. Yeah. Um, so let me just come back. So we are, we're in a position now where you're kind of pre-surgery. You've now mentioned getting set up with the dietitian. Uh, you're seeing a therapist at that point, right? Or at least, yes. you know, you should have been. It sounds like you, maybe you're no, still, am, the still I'm seven years yeah, strong, two and a half every other week with Dr. Banford. Nice. He's the man. And so you had that and you're losing weight. And let me just ask like a little devil's advocate here. Why not just continue losing weight with, you know, you lost 50 pounds. You could have just kept going, right? So my uh, surgeon, Dr. Shirk, uh, he was like perfect for me because you actually got to meet like a group of surgeons. It was like speed surgeon dating at Penn. <laughs> and based on who they met and talked to, you kind of click. And Shirk's kind of like me. He's very dry. He's very like, let's get to business for everything. Um, when I lost the 50 pounds, the meeting that you have right before the surgery, he's like, you know, you, you lost 50 pounds. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I, I don't think I need to perform on you Friday. And I was like, really? He's like, no, I'm just kidding. We already cleared the insurance. Like you're getting it done. And it was one of those, like, 
I don't know. There's the part of me that always plays that what if game. But the problem I've had throughout my life is I've had periods of success where I lose 30 pounds and then nine months later, I'm 40 pounds up. Then I lose 70 pounds and I'm a hundred pounds up. And my biggest fear through the whole process is what if this is the time I'm not able to get back to get bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those that it was like, look, I did my work. I did everything I could in six months. I worked with the team to make sure I did behavior goals, just like putting my fork down in between bites, uh, chewing 30 times, uh, being seated at the table. Um, So many times, you know, with young kids, we do the scramble game of just run, grab whatever you can, throw food at everyone and pray we hit. We really do commit to having sit down family dinner six out of the seven nights a week and having a very intentional dinner. So it's it's learning those behavior goals and making sure that I don't give up after the surgery that keeps me going. Yeah. I think that it's, that's such a good reminder for, it's a good reminder for me, you know, anyone. And and I know my family, we do try to always kind of sit down for dinner and um, have that meal time. And for me, it's selfishly, you know, for my girls. Right. Um, And kind of having, making sure that they see what to do and connecting with it. And it's always a struggle, but it's still. Girl dad as well, right here. Good company. Yeah. I love, uh, I can't see it any other way, to be honest with you. I don't know how I could handle boys. I feel like I wouldn't be able to live up to that as much. Um, If someone told me at 21 (laughs) that at 38, I'd be living in a house full of women, I would sign off on that deal the whole way. (laughs) But it's like you rub the genie, you rub the lamp and the genie gives you a weird lives like, surprise, they're your kids now. (laughs) So yeah, it's been great. But yeah. Yeah, that would say it is. Um, but that is such a good reminder. Just, you know, some of those small things you mentioned putting down your fork, you mentioned, you know, I think just being present, being where your feet are, right? Not yeah. thinking about what has to happen next, all that kind of My stuff. My wife just good. read that book too. Yeah. Be present where your feet are. She just gave it to me and said, this is your new read. So <laughs> um, I'm working through a good book. Uh, I'll, sh- I'll share it with you later. I, I'm really loving it. It's um, The End of Craving. It's been really awesome. Um, and that's also my deep dive into satisfaction. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think satisfaction is something we get away from too, but that's a tangent in itself. So so again, you are you're basically on the surgery table right now, right? Surgical table. Yes. And you have this uh, amazing surgeon who's just throwing dry humor at you before they gas you. Um, and you're ready to go and you're and you're and you're happy. Again, devil's advocate. What does the surgery do for you after, you know, what is it going to do different for you? What does the surgery do different for you than just losing the weight? Because if I can just throw one more thing in there, you're right. You can always lose weight. It's, this is a triggering statement. I always tell people it's not hard just to not eat. It's very simple to not eat. It's always easy Mm -hmm. to lose weight. I always say that the challenge of weight loss, 40% of it is losing weight. 60% of it is maintaining. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm kind of setting up an answer here for you asking about this, but um, you've gone through that 40% over and over and over. It's that 60% you weren't able to get to. So let me come back to my question of why would you now decide to go through surgery? What did that do differently for you than just continuing to lose weight and then finding a way to maintain that. So when they remove 80% of your stomach, there's only so many places food could go. And in the first three months, it's very common that uh, you'll have it kind of come up and you'll have a little bit of either it goes up or down if you fill too much. Uh, And that was a good safety stopgap for the first three months. That slowly goes away over time. And that's something that I don't think people realize with bariatric surgery. 
So I really was grateful that between my therapist, my surgical team, they really put an emphasis on you need to fix and heal your relationship with food. And it was one of those of by slowly incorporating everything right after surgery, you can only have clear liquids and a little bit of protein shakes. Uh, two weeks, you go to like a full protein shake diet. Four uh, weeks out, you're in purees. Uh, it's a long process of relearning how to eat again. So, and as you go through that, the hunger comes back a little bit and a little bit each day. And at this point, I feel like my hunger and appetite is about the same place that I had prior to surgery. The difference between now and then is I've learned the healthy habits and sustainable behaviors of not just what to eat, but how to eat, but why I'm eating and what the purpose of that food is. So it's a whole, you know, the difference with bariatric surgery for me was it really gave me a second chance to relearn and heal my relationship with food by being given a tool that could help me understand it. And the tool you would say, correct me if I'm wrong, is the physical yes. restriction that mm -hmm. it was a constant reminder, correct. right? Versus it being like, oh, I slipped up. I'll just go back. It was a, you can't slip up anymore, right? Yes. Yeah. At least in the you know first first bit at night, you know, from what first I've bit, always yeah. seen. Like, yeah. So it is this, and it almost like that feeling is what, st what, st what stuck with you so that you didn't kind of, you couldn't slip back. So- yeah. So that being, I guess I'm looking for a direct answer, but the physical restriction is what supported you the most to help you learn. It was a constant reminder. Is that what you Correct. would say? Yeah. Okay. And that was yeah. one of the things that like Dr. Shirk was really clear at the information meeting when I was nine months out of surgery was if you're getting this surgery so that you throw up, if you eat too much, you were not a proper candidate for this. And that really stuck with me of the sleeve has a purpose to restrict. And it has a purpose to help you figure out your satiety. But if you're still trying to eat and pound as much bad food as possible in there until you throw up, there's a bigger issue that needs to be touched upon. So for me, it was using the sleeve to eat properly, fuel myself the correct way, and get the right amounts of the proper foods in to make sure that I was successful. Got it. Yeah. And so post-surgery you're feeling this restriction, you're learning, mm -hmm. you're almost being forced to learn a little bit. Um, you're with your dietitian again. What was her name again? Laura Dickens. Laura, got it. Yep. Laura Dickens. Um, you seem smitten with her as a, as a, as a practitioner. It seems that that's really, that's really awesome that you, ha you have that. Um, and so you guys were talking through this too. Um, I'm sure you're, you're, you're seeing weight loss during that time. What, yeah. what was, what was the, what was the rate of weight loss in the first few weeks after surgery? It was phenomenal. Um, so the first couple of weeks, it kind of just sheds off. Uh, so it was one of those things that like, you're losing two pounds a day at some point. Um, the first month or so, I think I lost like 30 pounds. And then I was consistently losing like two and a half pounds every week up until I want to say January. So like nine months out, I hit my first stall. Mm -hmm. And that's really where like the rubber kind of has to hit the road. It's yeah, your restriction's still there. It's not as much as you used to, but are you building the healthy habits? Are you working out consistently? Are you putting the right foods in you to make sure that you're full of the right things to fuel your body? That really helped me get uh, down to my lowest wage, which was 210. And right now I'm at about 225. So I'm 15 pounds up, but uh, definitely at a happier weight. I'm at a weight that I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with. 
um, as far as like, I rode a 75 mile bike ride last month and had a phenomenal time and beat a PR by everything. So it's more of realizing that sometimes your lowest weight isn't your best weight, but more that finding that optimal weight for me to perform as well as I can at as many things that I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, if someone checks out your Instagram, they'll see you, right? Um, yeah. Because re recently you did that that bike ride and everything, which I think was, uh, was great to see. And your girls were there. What an yeah. emotional moment. I'm sure that is, um, with the idea of kind of building things back up, um, as a very active person, were there, was there anything, um, that you and your dietitian were talking about in terms of say muscle preservation or making sure that you were getting enough, you worked yourself up to eating more. You obviously can't get that all through food, especially in the first few months. Um, how, how did you work yourself to the point of knowing that you were getting things that you biologically needed for muscle maintenance and then fueling you for the workouts you were doing? Was there anything so, specific? So one thing that I think I was really good with Laura with working on is at the beginning. And what I think is very common for a lot of men that I meet who just have surgery is we all have that true man, uh, mentality of like, okay, I had surgery on Tuesday. I want to deadlift 5,000 pounds on Wednesday and, and we laugh, but it's true. And it was one of those things that like, I came out of surgery and I'm like, I'm going to walk 15,000 steps a day, every day. And my surgeon and a dietitian were like, let's slow down and work on a pitch count. And they really did a good job of letting my body heal while also letting me rebuild my love of activity. So when people are like, when did you start lifting? Or when can I lift like you're lifting? I'm like, this is a two year process to get to where I'm at right now. I started with just 5,000 steps a day the first week after surgery, and then slowly increased to 6,000 the next week up until 15,000 steps. When I was able to hold that for three months, the other part that was more important that Laura really worked with me on is the importance of hydration. Uh, it's summertime. I have to make sure that I don't dehydrate myself. And unlike a regular person, after bariatric surgery, you can't just guzzle water when you're dehydrated. You can only sip about one ounce at a time. So it would look weird. I would be walking outside in the middle of the summertime with a water bottle and a shot glass. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, for those of you listening, I'm pouring fake uh, pantomime, pouring a shot and then taking it back. Uh, but essentially it was making sure that I stay hydrated and stay uh, properly nourished at that level. And then as my body increased, slowly going into yoga, starting with light lifting weights. And then for me, it's just been trying to see how can I push my body physically at this point to live my best life at my age. Yeah. And, you know, I'm obviously asking questions, leading questions that I, I tend to know more of the answers of from a, um, from a procedure standpoint, not yes. everything that you've gone through mentally and physically right there. Um, but, you know, I hope someone listening to this is able to think, okay, you know what, I, I know how to place this kind of intervention in terms of what I need. Um, but I really hope that it takes away a little bit of, and I'm sure you've heard this, um, some of the, um, the pushback thinking, Hey, this is the easy way out, right? Yeah. People think it's easy. And I'm hoping what people hear from you is it still takes time. It still takes a lot of patience. It still takes a lot of learning and you need to make sure that you are truly, you know, tuned in, plugged into what you need, what you have to do. Um, or else it might not end up being as successful as, you know, Rob, have you been right? Yeah. So, um, it is, it's not the easy way out. It is a great solution for someone if they definitely need it, because it can definitely change lives. 
right? Yeah, and and I think it's one of those things that I stress to people. I spent a lot of time, money, and effort to get to 365 pounds. It takes a lot of time, money, and effort to stay in maintenance and to be happy with the results you're getting in the gym and in your fitness. That's awesome. Uh, um, it's good to know, you know, that there is someone out there to kind of push this message just like you. Um, I want to be respectful of your time here. Um, I know that I just want to end with this kind of question here. I know that you refer yourself, you refer to yourself as the, as the VSG every man. And I just want to end on you being able to like, why, why, why are you the every man? Why do you encompass all of that? I, I think a lot of the times what we see on social media and we think of like a bariatric patient it's that we live in this bubble and that there's nothing else going on. And I think it's really important to showcase that like, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a career, I have activities outside of life and that my time is limited. You know, uh, one of the things that I really love, Maddie's daddy DSG, uh, who I talk with a lot, gave me the mantra that life happens in the afternoon. And what that meant was if you really want to achieve your physical goals and show up for your wife and kids, that might mean that you have to do things at five in the morning. And that's been one of the ways that I still have a balance. I'm still present for my wife and kids and my family and friends and my job by just setting my goals early. And it just shows that you can do all this, but it does take a lot of work. It does take a lot of time. And it does mean that like I go to bed at like nine o'clock at night, but it's easy to wake up when I have goals that I'm happy to hit. That's awesome, Rob. Yeah, no, you really are um, the VSG everyman. I would agree with you 100%. Um, Rob, again, if someone's looking for the support that you offer online and everything, where where can they again find you on on Instagram? Yeah, it's um, at my underscore weight underscore is underscore history. So just keep underscoring until you get me and I show up. Uh, But yeah, so thanks, Ryan. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you wish that I had asked or that I gave you a chance to share? No, this has been fun. You know, I hope someone listens to this and understands that bariatric surgery is an amazing opportunity and that it is achievable if you put the work in. And if anyone needs anything, I'm in my small corner of the internet. So that's so glad. I'm so, I'm so glad that I came across you. Um, yeah, man. And as long as you feel like you're, re- to, you're able to represent yourself the way you wanted to, then I'm so glad to have had you on here. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to have to do it again at some other point. I would love to. Um, Anytime. I'd be more yeah. than happy to, Brian. All right, guys. Well, until then, uh, this is Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, and I will talk with you next time. Take care, guys.